on Broadway for Wednesday, April 10th, 2019. I am Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway Star's James Marino. James, we're recording at like 8.45 on Tuesday, so I have zero thoughts yet on uh, Fosse Verdon. Although, I did have screeners for the first three episodes and I didn't get around to watching it. So, uh, sorry about that. I'm sure it was great and I'm sure I'll watch it at some point, but uh, not yet. Don't fall behind like the West Wing, you know, you'll be 10 years no, behind, you know? No, no, I watched the West Wing when it was originally on, but I wanted to, I figured when they started the West Wing Weekly, I'd just catch up and like watch an episode and then listen to the podcast, and I never did that. It's also why I never read the Harry Potter books or watched the movies or never watched Breaking Bad or Mad Men. It's just, it becomes too much if you don't keep up on it, and it's hard to go back for me. I'd rather just ignore it and pretend like major cultural things didn't happen if I wasn't on board from the very beginning. But the uh, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah, the MCU, uh, you're on top of that. Right, because I started at the beginning. I started watching them when they first came out. I, I didn't start those other things at the beginning, so it was just so so cumbersome and daunting to try to go back and catch up. It just wasn't worth it. My, my brain can't uh, handle more things. Do you think Broadway's going to go back and try to catch up with the MCU? What do you mean? Like do Broadway uh, versions of all the uh, MCU movies? Well, maybe not all of them, but I mean, Spider-Man was kind of a disaster, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not MCU, but, you know, we could always do a revival of uh, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. Oh, uh, yeah. That was Peter, a Hal Prince one, I think, right? Yeah. Peter Phyllis should be up for that one. He's yeah, got some was... ideas about how to fix that show. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I love it. Bring yeah. it on, which I also loved. Uh, bring it on. All right. So uh, Share Show's bringing it on tonight over at the Tonight Show. Not tonight, but yes, it's bringing it on uh, to the Tonight Show. Uh, James, this kind of harkens back to the days of Ed Sullivan, a lot of those other uh, golden era of television uh, talk shows when Broadway musicals would have huge presences on them. But the Share Show will be taking over the entire hour on Monday's episode of The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. The episode will feature the real actual share, as well as the three Broadway shares, Stephanie J. Block, Teal Wicks, and Michaela Diamond. OG share will perform Turn Back Time with Block, and you haven't seen The Last of Me with Babe, Lady, and Star, as they're referred to in the show itself. The episode of The Tonight Show is set to air at 11.35 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC this coming Monday April 15th, of course, check your local listings for time and channel and probably get your taxes filed before you try to watch that, mm. uh, because I'm sure with that many shares, you won't be able to take your eyes off the TV, James. <laughs> you know, if you don't file your taxes, maybe you could turn back time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, of course, we we now know that uh, our government doesn't want us to really be able to file them for free. So, uh, yeah. You know. So interesting uh, that Cher is able to do this when the natural fit for NBC would have been Tina Fey, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah that's very true, especially because Lauren Michaels is one of the producers of Mean Girls on Broadway and is the producer of The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Um, I, I would just imagine that perhaps uh, it wasn't a big enough, she's not big enough to carry the whole hour. I mean, Tina Fey, I think, was a guest when... The Mean Girls had their first performance. Yeah. Um, I, I believe uh, uh, Barrett Wilbert Weed, Weed uh, sang "I'd Rather Be Me," if I'm remembering correctly. But there was it wasn't like a full hour dedicated to Tina and Mean Girls. But 
with all due respect to, to Tina Fey, whom I saw uh, backstage at, at Mean Girls. She's great. She's not Cher. I mean, she's wonderful and I love her, but Cher is kind of like at another level in terms of stardom. But who watches The Tonight Show? I mean, is it really old still col- – is it old people? Yeah, it's old people. When, do they time shift it and watch it the next day? Because they're not watching at 11.35. I, I think if you go and, and watch – that's why Jay Leno stayed on for as long as he did because it's really not about folks. Uh, you got to remember also time differences. It's on at 10.35 in, in Central um, and maybe I don't know what mountain and Pacific or whatever. But um, generally these shows, which is why they've been trying to skew younger over the years with a lot of the bits and stuff. But they are generally watched by older folks. Hmm. I'll be in bed long before it airs. Same. Or if I will, I don't watch that stuff. So, Well, we've been talking oh. about what? No, go ahead. Because this is. Fits up. Give me the tease, and I'm going to knock it out of the park for you here, James. Well, we've been talking about TV, so let's talk more about TV and movie news. Well, James, literally, uh, that O you heard me say mm-hmm. is um, uh, I just got some breaking news. All right. And I'm opening it up now. This is coming from The Hollywood Reporter uh, from literally 10 minutes ago, it looks like. So we we talked about in the past, uh, I believe, if not, it's been out there. Ryan Murphy um, was going to host a talk back with The Prom uh, on Tuesday night. Um, and so uh, he was going to be there and support it and all that stuff. And, and that's great. But apparently, um, if I'm reading this correctly, let's see. Let me read this here for you if I can find a relevant quote. Um, Murphy announced the news Tuesday evening in New York City when he appeared on stage at the Longacre as host of a special charity performance benefiting causes close to his heart. That news is, quote, that Rainbow Unicorn has scored another coup, this time courtesy of Ryan Murphy, who plans to give the the piece a fairy tale Hollywood ending. He's going to make the prom into a movie with Netflix. So, uh, Wow. I love me the prom, but uh, did not see that one coming, James. But Ryan Murphy has signed an overall deal with Netflix and apparently uh, is going to make uh, the prom one of his first projects with Netflix. So uh, that's a uh, that's a pretty awesome thing. That is huge. Yes, that I am. Is... I, I, and I apologize for kind of reading through it, but it literally came up while we were talking. So uh, that's uh, that's incredible. Huh. I'm glad that I was uh, late and had some computer problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Or else it would have um, been uh, trading texts like, hey, Matt, we got to go back and record. I know. With breaking Seriously. news, breaking no- news. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So I'll throw that link in there and you can read through it. But there's a lot more TV and movie news. Um, and a lot of it is just as surprising and maybe even a little weirder than that. Um, before the prom, the biggest news was that Paramount is developing a new movie musical called Summer Loving, which you guessed it will be a Grease prequel. John August, the screenwriter behind Big Fish and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, will write the script. The film will dive, no pun intended, <laughs> into the beach-centered meetings in the in the song Summer Loving at the beginning of Grease. So I suppose we will eventually see just how friendly Sandy, Sandy actually got down in the sand. Uh-huh. Uh, in other movie musical news, it was reported yesterday, speaking of 
late night hosts uh, that Tony winner James Corden is producing a new movie musical version of the Cinderella story, uh, which will star former Fifth Harmony star and the one time rumored Maria in the West Side Story film Camilla Cabello. Obviously, that did not end up coming to fruition, but Pitch Perfect writer Kay Cannon will direct the film. Sony has put the film on a fast track and Cabello will be involved in the writing of the music for the movie as well. And finally, James, making the move from the big screen to the small screen, uh, PBS yesterday announced the dates for this spring's Live from Lincoln Center's Stars and Concert Series. The concerts will air on three consecutive Fridays in May, starting with Cynthia Erivo on May 10th, Annalie Ashford with special guest Jake Jylan Hale on May 17th. And Megan Hilty with guests Shoshana Bean and Eden Espinosa. I wonder if they're going to do any uh, Wicked with those uh, with those guests uh, on May 24th. In addition, last year's concerts from the series will air after this year's broadcasts. Andrew Reynolds will follow Erivo. Leslie Odom Jr. will follow Ashford. And Sutton Foster will follow Hilty. James, I am so, so, so excited for these concerts. Cynthia Erivo... Uh, is uh, has an unbelievable voice and our friend deb schrager uh just sent us a great report um from her recent concert in dc annalee ashford oh i love you i've talked about this album before but her 54 below live album from new year's eve a few years ago is one of my favorites absolutely adore it and i've seen hilti in concert and she was so good underrated i talked about it at the time a comedic genius and i don't understand why she's not a huge star um but whatever these these all three should be amazing and i'm i'm super pumped about uh these coming up next month uh deb schrager also told me i sound very old because i focus on domains well i mean it's kind of your job i mean yeah uh, so uh rannells rannells Rannells. did you see that he was uh was he on wait wait don't tell me last weekend Oh, I did not. No, I didn't see that uh, or hear that. Uh, yep. Wait, wait. March 30th, uh, Andrew Reynolds did the Not My Job segment uh, on Wait, Wait. So, uh, yeah, take a listen to that if you're a Reynolds fan. Very, very funny. As expected. I mean, he such such, sets such a high bar and he clears it all the time. Yeah, I assume he was promoting his new book, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. He was promoting his new book. Exactly. What do we have in the recommendation section? Well, this is a little different, James, than what I normally put in this section. But it all started because of a New York Times article that announced that the Center Theater Group, the huge theater conglomerate out LA in Times. Southern California. What did I say? You said New York Times. It was LA, I meant L- LA Times. L.A. Times, yes. Um, they they had a story about the Center Theater Group, which is the big uh, theater organization down in Southern California. They announced on Monday that Megan Pressman will be the next managing uh, managing director and CEO, making her the first female managing director in the nonprofit company's 52-year history. Um, she came to CTG from Woolly Mammoth Theater Company in Washington, D.C., which I know Deb Schrager um, is a supporter of. But um, – what this got me thinking about is over at American Theater, Deep Tran had a series of articles uh, over the past week in the new uh, the new edition, I'm sure, um, talking about the changing leadership of some of uh, the United States' larger 
regional theaters. Um, there's one article who's in, who's out the numbers, looking at all of the data as to who is leading these uh, major Lort theaters, who's coming in, coming out, looking at them in terms of gender, race, all those kind of things. Um, very cool with a bunch of infographics. Check that one out. Then there's another one um, where Deep kind of goes into what all of those changes and for bringing voices that didn't necessarily have a, an opportunity to be heard in the past, how these new demographics of leaders at these regional theaters are actually going to be able to hopefully uh, grow their audiences. And then um, she has another article that is uh, looking at nine new artistic directors and how those individual artistic directors um, are looking at their visions for their specific theater community. So um, if you really are a nerd uh, about the state of the American theater outside of Broadway, these, as always in American theater and especially with Deep Tran, just some absolutely wonderful reads. And uh, I highly recommend it. I'll have all of those and the link to the L.A. Times uh, talking about Megan Pressman's announcement in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. We should just follow anything that Deep writes. We should have a Deep Tran so section good. every time <laughs> she puts something out. A, uh, a, a deep dive. Deep there, oh, there you go. I was going to make it like a Hamill section, but a, a deep old section doesn't have the same ring. But I like deep dive. I love that. Deep dive. Hey, did you see uh, Lin-Manuel is trying to find out, uh, they're trying to name the coffee house at the uh, Hamilton exhibition? I, I did. And our old friend Patty Murin had one of the suggestions that he that he uh, decided to consider as one of the finalists. So I forget what it was, like Cafayette, like Cafayette. Oh, like, oh, yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was Patty's. Uh, so yeah, um, Broadway Girl NYC was very disappointed that none of her seven dozen suggestions were selected, though. <laughs> I was, uh, I wonder uh, what Jillian with a G came up with, but I, the, uh, the one that I really liked was Brew Where It Happens. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, we did recommendations. So what do we have in other news? Okay. So um, I've got a, a few just normal bits of news. Then there's something I want to talk about that's a little serious, but we'll we'll get to that here. But first, uh, yesterday, the National High School Musical Theater Awards announced that Tony winner Ben Platt will return as the host for the Jimmy Awards for the second straight year. This year's 11th annual ceremony, which seems crazy, will be held at the Minskoff Theater on Monday, June 24th. Tickets are now on sale. Also on Tuesday, it was announced that Tony-winning producer Jill Furman, Lionsgate, and author R.J. Palacio will be producing a stage musical adaptation of Palacio's best-selling children's novel, Wonder, which was turned into a big-screen hit last year. The aim will be for Broadway, but there's no timetable or creative team attached to the project, at least not publicly, as of yet. And finally, James, this hasn't really hit the news yet but and i'm kind of surprised about that i thought this might actually be something that we would hear from the new york times um so i'm not going to get too deep into it especially because this is not something that's necessarily in my area of expertise but uh, i thought it was something that we should bring up because this is the type of stuff that we would normally cover um but anyway so recently there has been a lot of online concern in certain corners of the internet about the new musical tootsie and some of its merchandise potentially being offensive to the trans community from what i understand the concern is not necessarily about anything specific in the show itself, but rather the premise behind the show and, of course, the original movie uh, in general. And many people feel that it plays into the talking points of anti-trans people and politicians. And that is that a 
cis man lies and pretends to be a woman in order to manipulate people for his personal advantage. This mirrors a lot of the accusations that some of the conservative side on the of the argument have had surrounding bathroom bills. And that's making a lot of people, especially in the theater community, who would consider theater artists allies um, a, a bit concerned. One of the merch items that the show was selling, and I saw it when I was uh, at the show, said something to the to the effect of, quote, being a woman is no job for a man. Now, that is a line in the show. And in the context of the musical, it's meant to be funny and actually supportive of women. Um, but out of the confines of the narrative, it echoes many of the negative phrases and thoughts hurled at trans people in real life. So, a lot of people have been voicing their concerns, some people more eloquently than others. It's been one of those things that many people have jumped on the bandwagon. Um, but there is some some deep, legitimate concern there. So the verified Tootsie Twitter account has been DMing people who have voiced concerns and saying, quote, on behalf of Tootsie the Musical, we are listening to the trans community and taking its concerns very seriously as we bring this musical to Broadway. We understand that a particular line of dialogue used on some of our show merchandise is offensive out of context of the show, and, we'll, and we will no longer sell those items effective immediately. We continue to learn and appreciate the feedback. So I think that statement's fine. I, I generally or genuinely do not believe that the show meant anything uh, malicious by it i think they i think there was this was a blind spot that they should have addressed ahead of time but they did not and i think they are taking this um proactive step or maybe reactive step i guess um whether it's for economic reasons or they're genuinely concerned or some you know somewhere in the middle i think this is better than ignoring it which i think a lot of other shows would do but james i wasn't going to share my thoughts um publicly on tootsie since i saw it so early in previews but since this does really apply to this news i'm going to break my own rule here even though i did pay for a ticket i'm not breaking any journalistic rules i bought my own ticket but the first thing that i told you when we recorded the first today on broadway after i saw tootsie is that I thought you better have a woman on the panel to discuss the show, because while I thought it was very funny and the songs were good, if not a bit repetitive, uh, and some of the performances were mind-blowingly incredible, I found the show in general to be very lacking in any social message or even just consideration. And because of that absence, uh, I thought the show as a whole was more than a little misogynistic. Uh, and now I have to admit that the concerns of the trans community did not occur to me when I saw it, but I certainly understand them now in retrospect. And James, I think we said this when the musical was first announced, but this just seems like a difficult story to try and tell in a musical comedy today. And while it's expertly constructed, uh, I, I am, I'm afraid that it has really missed the mark in regards to the moment and times that we are living in. So while this was not the issue that I saw that struck me when I saw it, I am not surprised that there are a lot of people taking issues with the areas that this show is lacking. It's not lacking in humor. It's not lacking in creative direction and construction. It's lacking in realizing that this show does not exist in a vacuum and the community and the world that we live in is much different than when this film originally uh, came to the big screen back in the eighties. Book by Robert Horn, music by David Yazbek, lyrics by David Yazbek, based on a story of Don McGuire and Larry Gelbart. Uh, directed, by directed, Scott by, Ellis. directed by Scott Ellis, choreographed by Dennis Jones, associate director, Dave Solomon, associate choreographer, Barry Busby. What, what do all those people have in common, James? 
can't put my finger on it. Let's see. Scenic design, David Rockwell. Costume design, William Ivy Long. Lighting design, Donald Holder. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, Sound you design. You a lot more directly than I did. <laughs> Brian Ronan. Hair and wig, Paul Huntley. Makeup design, Angelina Avalone. We got so you got one. down to what, what was her credit? Makeup design. So they got down to makeup design to have the first woman on the creative team, is what you're saying. I am 40 names deep into IBDB on the uh, Tootsie credits. <sighs> well, and, and here's what I said earlier. Like, it, this was clearly a blind spot. But to me, if I am one of the producers on this musical, which I'm clearly not, I would have this just screams check your blind spot like there how do you not have a women involved in this storytelling process and how do you not have trans people involved in the storytelling process maybe you don't have them on the creative team like we said this uh, about the show when it was starting performances before I'd even seen it, James, that I don't necessarily have a problem with any of these people working on the show. I have a problem with all of these people working on the show together by themselves. But how do you not at least say, hey, maybe we should get somebody in here to consult with us? It just seems like it was a, an unforced error. And to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of people that have a point that maybe they just shouldn't have turned this into a musical at all. It just probably wasn't the time for this to be musicalized and brought back. Kinky Boots, produced by Daryl Roth, Hal Luftig, etc., etc. First name, Daryl Roth. Book by Harvey Firestein. Music by Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper, lyrics. Musical arranged by Steve Aremis. Directed by Jerry Mitchell. Choreographed Jerry Mitchell. Associate D.B. Buns. Choreographer Rusty Maury. Scenic design, David Rockwell. Greg Barnes. Kenneth Posner. June Shivers. Certainly... Certainly, they did not do much better, even though Dow Roth let off kinky boots. But it seemed well, like one kinky of the boots writers. Was, yeah, yeah, but one of the writers Cindy is a woman. Lovers, that goes yeah. a long way. It, nah, absolutely. But I think that kinky boots probably um, uh, address this in a uh, in a more clear way and, and thought it through. But certainly, I, I think that this is going to be. Uh, one of the issues, one one of the areas that they they should address, and hopefully, uh, I think that the response that they had uh, in the private DMs on Twitter was the appropriate thing to do. Uh, but I'm not sure why it's a DM. They should be. Uh, I, totally. We we should be getting a press release about that. And that's what I kind of meant. Like I'm surprised that it hasn't gotten there, and I'm surprised that Michael Paulson, to be honest with you, if he's heard of this, how why he hasn't gone out and said anything about it, because this seems to be a story that if, if Michael Paulson doesn't pick it up or Mark Hirschberg or, or anybody over at Forbes or, you know, it, it just seems like this is something that needs to be addressed publicly. And Who's hopefully the BuzzFeed can, writer? Who's the, uh, the BuzzFeed writer, the guy who writes, uh, uh I don't remember. Well, Lewis Peitzman is no longer there. They, Oh, Peitzman's no longer there. Oh, yeah. That's uh, where we, that's who I was talking about. Yeah, but it. I, hopefully this can be a, a lesson learned in the future that like, hey, as as much as James, you and I are two straight white guys, we, we understand the irony and the, the hypocrisy here in us saying it. But like, do, do better. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, so if anybody knows those journalists, uh, get this show over to them tomorrow morning or tonight. And let's get this. Uh, <laughs> shine some light on this. The best, uh, best disinfectant is sunlight. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday with us. And Matt and I will come back and talk with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.